As it pursues doctrine and strategy for a new era, the Pentagon has been releasing a series of policy documents. One of them is called the DOD Digital Modernization Strategy. It encompasses goals for cybersecurity and artificial intelligence, among other things. Joining me with highlights and how they'll carry it out, Senior Advisor in the Office of the Secretary of Defense, Dr. Clark Cully. Dr. Cully, good to have you on. Thanks, Tom. This strategy is 70, 80 pages. What is it designed to do fundamentally? The Digital Modernization Strategy centers the department on four key tech initiatives. The first is cloud computing. The second is artificial intelligence. The third is command, control, and communication, or C3 modernization. And the fourth is cybersecurity. So these technologies in concert are intended to help the warfighter be equipped with the modern tools that it needs to be effective on the battlefield and to create a more efficient and effective DOD enterprise. Now you've got a national defense strategy that has been revised and that seems to be driving a lot of the talk in the various pieces of the Pentagon and the military establishment. How does this tie in with the national defense strategy? They're very closely linked. The national defense strategy lays out this changing character of of great power competition and a changing strategic environment in which competitors, including China and Russia, are leveraging new and emerging technologies from the private sector to create a much more challenging and contested cyber space and information domain. And therefore, we need to respond to this all-domain challenge with an increasing uh, technology base that allows us to, to innovate using these new technologies for innovation and adaptation, leveraging commercial partners at the speed and the scale that the the future is going to require. All right, I want to talk about modernizing command, control, and communications for a minute because C3 has always been essential to military operations. What does the modernization strategy in general call for to happen to C3? So C3 is the way in which we push data to the tactical edge, and it includes the modernization of our satellite communications, both both wideband and narrowband, having assured access to precision navigation and timing, the modernization of the tactical radios and the waveforms that they use on the battlefield, the management of the electromagnetic spectrum to allow more joint use of that spectrum, and the investment in our secure and contingency communication systems uh, that, that we use to connect senior leaders anywhere under any conditions. I mean, a lot of those initiatives were ongoing already before the strategy, correct? Correct, but this prioritizes and focuses our investments on key technology enablers. So, for example, in the the C3 domain, uh, it focuses on 5G technology and how we're going to use these advanced technologies to deliver much more bandwidth and much more resilience to these networks that the warfighter is going to depend on at the tactical edge and ensuring that these things can degrade gracefully and predictably in a contested environment. Because when the DOD talks about cloud computing, there is always the acknowledgement that in some cases the reach back or backhaul to a cloud may not be existing in an austere tactical edge situation. So does this look at perhaps a way of making portable bandwidth to go with the warfighters to that tactical edge where the backhaul to a cloud would not be needed? cloud architecture includes uh, a tactical component that has forward computing and forward storage that can synchronize to the cloud when possible, but continue to operate in a resilient way when disconnected or at degraded bandwidth. And because when it's not going long distances through airwaves and so on, then it's probably more secure too, anyhow. Yes, but we have to look at security from 
a, a comprehensive approach, including the security of the links themselves, but also uh, being able to operate in a way that ensures the, the integrity of the, the supply chain, the tactics, techniques, and procedures we use to operate securely, the way in which we continuously update the software to ensure that our communication links are, are modernized and secured to the highest standards, as well as, as making sure that uh, we have a series of, of redundant and fallback capabilities for a degraded environment in which you know, the warfighter isn't uh, single-threadedly dependent upon any particular link, but can rely on this more mesh network to get the information he needs uh, when and where uh, required. We're speaking with Dr. Clark Culley, Senior Advisor in the Office of the Secretary of Defense. And let's talk about artificial intelligence for a moment, too, because that has a million applications, both in evaluating threats and in very tactical situations in warfare. What are the general goals for and objectives for artificial intelligence? So the artificial intelligence approach is laid out in a recent AI strategy, and I encourage your listeners to look at the unclassified summary online. It lays out five initial tenets. The first is to deliver AI-enabled capabilities for key national missions. Currently, we're, we're looking at initiatives in predictive maintenance, tools for humanitarian assistance and disaster relief, making sense of the cyber domain, joint warfighting, and the health of the warfighter. Second, the strategy lays out an approach for doing AI capability delivery in a centralized way. We need a center of excellence to pool our AI expertise, and then we need to create a common foundation that creates the, the, the tools and resources that the warfighter can use to develop custom AI applications that various organizations and services and departments require, but leveraging common tools, tests and, and uh, evaluation techniques, uh, validation and verification processes, libraries, data sets, et cetera. Because for things that operate in the ocean, in the air, on the ground, that move vehicles and so forth, there is also a strategy or at least the, uh, the planning for deployment of autonomy and robotics. Do you see artificial intelligence tying over to those types of platforms? Artificial intelligence is a tool that can be used to enhance autonomous systems, but uh, we certainly don't want to conflate autonomy and autonomous weapon systems or lethal weapon systems with the use of AI, because AI can be everything from smart search and spam filtering of your email, all the way to creating very sophisticated uh, weapons effects across multiple domains. And AI potentially, like advanced general purpose computing, uh, is, a, is a robust and flexible tool that's extensible to a wide range of use cases. So we certainly want to use it uh, wherever it's appropriate and, and creates more capability and efficiency for the warfighter. But we don't want to be prescriptive in focusing just on the high-end weapon systems when there's a lot of enterprise capabilities, uh, including just making sense of, of all the rich data sets that we have available to us in the Department of Defense and uh, making better decisions and judgments and uh, programmatic evaluations based on all this uh, big, big data that we're, we're fortunate to have. Sure. And zooming out for a minute, you've got the military services, which have some say over what it is they develop and use for their particular domains. Then there's the joint effect, which means they operate together. And then there's the fourth estate that has all of these other functions that surround the military services. How does a strategy like this somehow do you push it down through all of these organizations so that there's some cogency into the way you carry it out? There's a couple of pieces 
components of that. One is that we ensure that our role as the chief information officer uh, office is able to provide a common foundation on which the services can, can leverage for their particular needs and particular mission sets. So the Joint Artificial Intelligence Center is a perfect example of that. The JEDI general purpose cloud environment is another example of that. We want to provide the information backbone and tools that the services can put their custom hosted applications as needed and that we meet regularly to ensure that uh, we're aligned with, with common purposes, common prioritization, and uh, that, that our budgets modernize the areas in which we, we think we're accepting the greatest risk. So one of the functions that the Chief Information Office uh, recently received is providing oversight of the nearly $50 billion in IT investments that the department makes. And we're in the process of that right now, making sure that we've done the hard work of reconciling our investments to ensure that they're, they're supportive and complementary. Dr. Clark Culley, a senior advisor in the office of the Secretary of Defense, thanks so much for joining me. Thank you, Tom, and thanks to your listeners. We'll post this interview together with a link to the digital strategy at federalnewsnetwork.com slash Federal Drive. Hear the Federal Drive on demand and on your device. Subscribe at Apple Podcasts or Podcast One. Still to come on Federal News Radio, the Navy takes another step towards energy independence. It's the Federal Drive with Tom Temin, Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. This episode is sponsored in part by U.S. Bank. What if I told you you could get cash back just for being yourself? The U.S. Bank Cash Plus Visa Signature Card lets you customize your rewards to maximize your cash back. Receive up to 5% cash back on the two reward categories that best fit your lifestyle and adjust your cash back selections each quarter as your spending changes. Learn more at usbank.com slash cash plus. Whether you're a movie buff or a gym rat, a foodie or a techie, a homebody or a jet setter, you can earn 5% cash back doing the things you love. Just be yourself and get rewarded. Plus, you'll get 2% cash back on one everyday category like gas stations, EV charging stations, groceries or restaurants. Apply now at usbank.com slash cash plus and discover how you can get a $200 cash back bonus. The creditor and issuer of this card is U.S. Bank National Association pursuant to a license from Visa USA Inc. Some restrictions may apply. Pop quiz, what can you buy for $3.99? Not a latte, but for less than the cost of a cup of coffee, you can get all your favorite music ad-free. While other streaming services jack up their prices, Live One's membership is only $3.99 per month, and you can lock in that price for a full year. Join now to get the best deal in music with zero ads, unlimited skips, and maximum audio quality. Get the music you love at a price that fits into your budget with Live One Plus. Check out liveone.com slash best music for details.